With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Mackers, together and loving it. TNCs apply. Welcome to the Mackers Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Mackers today. Welcome to the Mackers Run. Jordan Canellas with you this evening on a Monday night. Good to be in your company on SEN. All for Mackers. Try Classic Angus at Mackers today. What a weekend of football. Was that one of the best rounds of footy this season? Is it the number one best round of football this season? We had a draw on Friday night. The best team in the league overcame a tussle at the Adelaide Oval on Saturday. Two tough Saturday night contests. A goal after the siren on Sunday. A slew of goal of the year and mark of the year nominations. And some significant shuffling on the ladder. Plus, in the broader world of sport, the Tour de France came to its conclusion. We had more drama in the Formula One this morning. The Boomers secured a trophy in Asia and more gold for Australia at the World Athletics Championships. There was a heap to get into, and I'd love to get your thoughts on what you took away from the weekend of sport. On the temper text, a mattress like no other, 0433 98 11 16, and you can give us a call on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Who doesn't love a kick after the siren to win the game? Jamie Elliott earned the pies there. Ninth win in a row. Their sixth win of those nine by a single-digit margin. And their first win from a kick after the siren since Chris Tarrant did it back in 2003 to beat Adelaide at uh, Football Park by five points. For half of that match on Sunday, yesterday, Collingwood, they were the inferior team. So they started six goals to zero in the first quarter. They were up, but that was rubbed out by the Bombers. Ten goals to two swing in the middle two quarters, and then it was two goals each from Jamie Elliott and the sub Josh Carmichael in the last term to get them over the line. The Pies and the Bombers, they rarely play a bad one. There's only been a couple over the last couple of years. Anzac Day is normally a belter, and then the second game of the season later in the year has always been pretty good as well. The sub, Josh Carmichael, he was immense coming on in the last quarter. His fresh legs inside 50 was invaluable in an exhausting and frenetic game like that. But fresh legs were just one element of his performance. More impressive was his composure in front of goal. His defensive efforts in the game as well, I thought, were exemplary. His ability to instantly match the intensity of the game as well, which is incredibly hard to do when you've been thrust into a game like that in the in the last quarter. But he came on and he matched it well. And then to be the guy for the clutch plays, he was uh, he was exceptional at the very end. It was hard to pick who Collingwood's best was on the day. Their role players shone in the moments at Collingwood with the team on top. Josh Dacos's game was highlighted by his ridiculous running goal in the pocket, but his efforts elsewhere around on the wings were great. Nathan Murphy, I thought, was the perfect right-hand man to Darcy Moore in defence. And Darcy Cameron might not mark everything, but he competes in the air and brings the ground players in. And Ash Johnson was more than just a role player in the first quarter. A young man in his second game of footy, and he bobbed up with three goals in the first term. And he was involved in some pivotal link plays, which led 
to some scores at the death. When Jamie Elliott took the mark at the end of the game, I think we all instantly knew it would be an incredibly tough set shot to score from. I thought he'd have to kick it before the siren sounded because as he marked with as he marked that in the left half forward flank, I saw there was 36 seconds to go on the clock. So I thought that the shot clock and the game clock would be misaligned and he'd have to kick it before the siren. Evidently, the shot clock took its time turning on. The other thought I had was my head went straight to Richmond. And when Jamie Elliott marked that footy, I thought of Richmond's recent blunders in their last couple of games and how their lack of composure has cost them results. Jamie Elliott has a wise head on his shoulders and lots of footy experience. He knew he had to take that shot and he hit it perfectly. I was lucky enough to be on that call and Brett Phillips is one of my favourite co-commentators to work with. They've got to go coast to coast. We're inside the last minute. Pendlebury quickly to Murphy. Over the top to Bianco. They've already got it to the wing, the Pies. The inside 50 kick. Elliot back with a flight in between two. Bombers has marked it. In the blink of an eye, Collingwood got it inside 50. They couldn't win another close one, could they, the Pies? Jamie Elliott to win the game for Collingwood. Siren sounds past 50, just inside the boundary line. What a kick! Collingwood have done it again! Unbelievable! You would never believe it in a million years! They've won another close one! Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen off the temper texts. You can send them through or give us a call one three hundred seven three six seven three six on the Harcourts open line for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. What were the best parts of the weekend from you? We always do the uh, the best bits, best bits and worst bits. We do in the uh, in the first half hour on a Monday night. Uh, I don't know if there any if there were any worse bits. I mean, there was there were bad bits. There was you know still well there were eight teams who I was going to say nine. There were eight teams who lost on the weekend. Two had a draw. Uh, we can do some of the worst bits as well if you want to send some of those through. But the best bits to start us off. Let's start on a good note because it was one of the uh, one of the best rounds of football we've had in a while. Zero four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. If you'd like to send those through. So this run from the Pies has them in the top four. This time last week I said, why not consider the Pies? Why not consider them for a deep run in the finals? Why not consider them? I heard someone say on the weekend, just a a friend, that they would be maybe their Smokey for the grand final. Why wouldn't that happen? The only reason we might not consider Collingwood, and not to dampen their performance or to dampen the spirits of Pies fans uh, in the overglow of yesterday's game, uh, or to diminish their string of wins, and let me stress this first. In this run of nine wins, they've defeated Fremantle, Carlton, Melbourne, and a pretty solid Gold Coast team. Three of these nine wins have been interstate as well, so they've had to do it home and away. However, their last five games has seen them let the Giants back in the game in the last quarter in round 15. They snared a late win against Gold Coast the following week. They were down by four goals against North Melbourne. They came from behind against Adelaide, and they trailed the Bombers by 20 points in the last quarter yesterday. For all of their goods to dig deep and to pull those results from the ashes, against better teams, they might have been put to the sword and lost those results earlier in the contest. Against the best... The going gets tough in finals. It's pretty brutal out there, and you can't afford to flirt in September. It's the only thing, the only thing. But 
I won't try and dampen Collingwood spirits too much with that negativity. Enjoy the win in the meantime, Pies fans. On the Bombers, things are coming together. During the game, I, uh, I looked down at their quarter time huddle and I saw Daniel G and Syracuse, Blake Carousella and Dale Tapping talking to their lines. They're the assistant coaches of the defence, the midfield and the forward line. I wondered how a team with three of the best assistants in the game, they've all been highly rated throughout their assistant coaching careers when they were at different clubs and now all together at Essendon. I wondered how a team with three of the best coaches, one of the best coaching panels really in the game with a young head coach uh, could have had such a poor start to the season. This recent run of form might only paper over the cracks in the eyes of some people, but wins are wins and good performances are good performances and you cannot deny that. There are still some gaps to fill in this team. I'd suggest that maybe a key defender is still in need. Maybe another mid-sized defender as well. Uh, someone, a lockdown kind of defender. They partly addressed that with Jake Kelly in the off-season, who's been good. Maybe another key forward as well. Is Harry Jones a second-tall forward or is he a third-tall forward? Does that mean they bring in someone else? But nonetheless, the pieces are coming together. I thought Dylan Shield was effective. His second half of the season has been pretty good. Peter Wright was good for three goals. Andrew Phillips had a solid game, I thought, through the air, being the second ruckman to Draper, threw himself in the forward line, took some contested grabs uh, in the second and third term. I feel like Zerk Thatcher is slowly coming along as a key back. Ben Hobbs is going to be a star. He would always be the first man at the ground footy uh, for the Bombers. This is a kid playing game number 10 or 12 or 15, whatever it is now. Uh, Sam Durham on the wings, and Jai Caldwell is embedding himself in the team. Things are coming together for the Bombers. Yes, it'll be sour. I saw some pretty, um, uh, well, Jared does his snap judgments on a Monday. It's, I guess you could throw this into that category, but I saw some social media posts on the weekend that were pretty uh, exaggerated and over-the-top reactions from Essendon supporters, but that's, I guess that's part and parcel of losing a game after the siren against a, an arch rival in a heavyweight game. Elsewhere around the league, the Western Bulldogs have put themselves in the best position to make the eight. Talk about clutch wins. That was immense from the Dogs. They inflicted the heaviest score the Demons have conceded since around, 9, 29, around 19, 2019. That's the first time the Ds have led up 100 points since that time. All the focus was on Jamara Hagen, but they broke Melbourne down. The Ds' mantra is defence and contests. That's what Simon Goodwin preaches every week, and Luke Beveridge broke down their defence. The Dogs registered the same amount of scoring shots as the Ds in the game, 25 each, but they also had nine more inside 50s than Melbourne. The Dogs cut their way through the Demons better than any other team has for the last three years when you just look at those numbers. Geelong's win was significant for them to hold their billing as the top team this season. Brisbane uh, keeping touch with the rest uh, of the front runners in the league. They're still among them, uh, but it was a close-run thing for a while in that game. And then to some of the other matches as well around the league on the Sunday, so obviously the middle game was huge, but... St Kilda kept themselves within touching distance. They're sitting ninth at the moment and behind the Western Bulldogs on percentage, and their percentage is pretty low as well, St Kilda, at just 103%. So they have to uh, make sure they win games. They can't rely on percentage. They have to win the games that need to be won for them. And Carlton, well, for a little while there, that was an even match up until about half time or so against the Giants, and then they pulled away in the second half. But Carlton, they've got a two-game gap between them and the Western Bulldogs between 7th and 8th, but they don't want to be dropping any results from here to the end of the season. 0433981116 if you have any thoughts off the temper text. You can give us a call, 1300 736 736 to get involved on the Harcourt's open line. For what you thought the good parts were of the weekend, starting a Monday night review with the positives. We've been talking about footy all day after a great round on 1116 SEN. 
but the good parts from the week and the positives and any other curiosities you have from the week. And I'll get to a couple of the, the finer points on the other side of this as well. On the program tonight, Matt Rendell will join us, as he always does, on a Monday to wrap up the round of football and all the big talking points. And there were plenty of big talking points from it. And a little bit later on in the Sporting Capital after seven, we'll have Michael Laminato with us from the Box of Neutrals podcast and the F1 strategy report to give us a halfway report of the F1 season. There was more drama in the French Grand Prix earlier this morning with Charles Leclerc, one of the championship frontrunners, crashing out of the race. And we're just past the halfway mark of the Formula One season now, 12 of the 22 races. So we'll get a halfway report with Michael Laminato later on the program. The Maccas run. Jordan Canellos with you here for Maccas. Try classic Angus at Maccas today. We'll come back with your thoughts and some more of the broader points from round 19 of the footy on the other side of this here on SEN. Welcome to the Maccas run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Welcome back to the Macca's Run. Jordan Canellis filling in for Sam Hargraves this week. 0433981116 to send a temper text, a mattress like no other. Or you can give us a call thanks to Harcourts. Your move, your Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. A couple of text messages that have come through. Uh, the, the nudge, the nudge. I'll just call you a nudge. Uh, great call on the uh, on the Jamie Elliott gold uh, dead set goosebumps material. Uh, Brett Phillips was uh, he was uh, as I said one of my favourites to call alongside, and he'll be uh, on air later tonight as well. He hosts a tennis show. If you don't know, uh, you, I don't know how you would not know that if you have been listening to SEN. He's our tennis man, BP. The first serve coming up a little later on, but I'm sure he'll get a, a flurry of AFL text messages on his tennis program tonight. So uh, don't hold back in sending your uh, your, uh, your praise to BP after his call of the Jamie Elliott goal yesterday. Um, uh, Wally from Mornington says, Essendon will never win a grand final with Jake Stringer. Goes missing in big games. I did think about Jake Stringer. There were a couple of players that just completely went missing from both sides, and Stringer was one of them. He did cross my mind during the game. He popped up. So I think he did score one goal in the third quarter. And I thought about him. I saw him get a touch at some point in the last quarter and saw he was near the ball. And I thought, where is, when's he going to pop up? Because he came up with two last quarter goals in the game against Sydney a couple of weeks ago when they won that match. And that was one of the wins that really sparked their their recent run of great form. And so I was kind of waiting for that Jake Stringer moment because he is, he is the player that, that pops up in those in those scenarios. However, the one thing I will say about Jake Stringer is... So that kind of player, that, that X-factor half-forward player, the, the bullocking player, and I know he goes into midfield and gets put around the ball as well, but if you're expecting him to play up in the forward line and bob up in the forward line and be a difference maker, it really those sorts of players rely on the team around them. So, you know, kind of a you know almost like Jordan Degoe sort of player as well who can play midfield but also can go up in the forward line and, and be a, a difference maker, X-factor player in the forward line. They are the sorts of players who are enabled by their team. Cam Zerha is another one. They don't really, they can't just change the game on their own boot. They can when it gets to them, but it needs to get to them. And that was the difference is Collingwood was winning a lot of the ball in that last quarter and Essendon's uh, centre clearance dominance, which was great in the second and third terms. And fair, where was Jake Stringer during those quarters? Because he was pretty quiet in that midst as well of their 10 goal to two run in quarters two and three. Um, but, but they need to be enabled as well. So Essendon wasn't really, they weren't really getting much down there. They kicked one goal in that last quarter. But good point, though. I'm not disagreeing with you by any means, Wally. Um, Big fella says, Evening Geordie, Brisbane doing the normal thing and getting 
over a lower team at the Gabba, but not a very impressive win, in my opinion. Got no idea where we are, but no confidence uh, right at this present time, says Big Fella. Uh, Joe says Collingwood's close win was, or reminds me of Hawthorne's 2016. Uh, just got over the line on many occasions, but there's a lot of luck involved. Hawthorne's luck ran out in the finals and bombed out in straight sets. Uh, ride the luck as much as you can. It doesn't last forever, says Joe from Roeville. And can we have a chat about the Swans, please, and their run home? Absolutely, uh, Anonymous. So their run home coming up, the Sydney Swans, their final four games are sitting in sixth on the ladder right now. Uh, their final four matches. They've got the Giants coming up this week, which is a uh, home game. So at the SCG, away at North Melbourne uh, in round 21, Collingwood at home in round 22, and then in Melbourne against St Kilda in round 23. So it's a very gettable last four games for me. There might be a few stumbling blocks in there. So you would say, you'd say oh, they should beat North Melbourne. Uh, the Giants might be plucky for a little bit, like like they were yesterday against Carlton, but ultimately you'd see the better team running over the top of the, of the Giants at the end of the game. So that'll be Sydney against the Giants next week. North Melbourne, who knows? North Melbourne won two weeks ago. They got blitzed by Hawthorne on Saturday. Collingwood will be the tough one. And then St Kilda in the last round might be... Well, who knows where where Sydney are, are by then. They could be two more wins and one loss, let's say. Let's say they win their next two and lose against Collingwood. So they'll be... Uh, where's the ladder? They'll be 14 and 7. 14 wins should be fine to get them in the finals. It'll just be down to position by that, by that point. So it might be the difference between... Fifth and sixth or seventh and a home final in, in an elimination final or maybe competing for a, a spot in the top four. So it'll be a fringe thing, but Sydney's run home, I think, at least for the next two weeks. That'll put them in good stead. They would have won, you know, assuming they win against the Giants next week in North Melbourne, they would have won five games in a row by round 21. So I don't think there's going to be any issues with Sydney, really. I thought Sydney were wobbling for a bit, but looking at their, their overall uh, recent sort of from halfway through the season to now... They've only lost two games, Port Adelaide and Essendon, uh, from the halfway mark of the season to now. During that run, I thought, oh, are they stumbling? But um, but Port were on a on a good streak. Essendon have changed their form, so I wouldn't say they are uh, dishonourable losses by any means. Those two, but they've uh, they've steadied the ship and they've beaten the Dogs, St Kilda and Fremantle in the last uh, month or so of football. Um, uh, a couple more text messages. I might hold those over for uh, for after. Uh, we have a chat to Matt Rendell. A couple of points I want to get to. So the one main, the one main talking point from the weekend uh, that was not related to anything regards wins and losses, but some of the on-field controversies. The major topic was Jack Inovan and that high free kick. He was brought down in the first quarter by a rundown tackle from Mason Redman. Uh, I was I was actually calling that passage a play and immediately thought that was a legitimate high free kick. So I called it and I thought that's high. On the replay, and I knew that I knew that Ginovan had kind of bent the knees at, at the time. I saw it happen, sort of picked it in, in fast motion. It wasn't easy to pick, though. On the replay, it looks a little more obvious that Ginovan drops his knees ever so slightly, and the umpire, Matt Stevick, might have seen that at the time as well from up close. On the replay, it's a little hard to tell, but you do see the knees go just a little bit. Redmond lunges out to tackle Ginovan with his own arms, at Ginnivan's shoulder height. So Redmond's arms were parallel to the ground, so he wasn't lifting his arms up by any means to tackle the head. No one intends to do that. But he does end up with his arms, Redmond, over and around Ginnivan's neck and shoulders. Ginnivan does stay mostly upright in the tackle, but was it a clear high free kick or not? 
Let's run the poll. This or that. Should it have been a high free kick to Ginevan? Yes or no? Yes, it should have been a high free kick. The umpire got it wrong. Or no, it wasn't a high free kick. The umpire got it right by letting the play go and it resulting in a ball up. Was it high or was it not? Jack Ginevan tackled by Mason Redmond yesterday afternoon. A couple of other curiosities from the round. Was Saturday night the coming of Jamara Hagen? He was relied upon as a difference maker in the forward line when Aaron Norton was put behind the ball and came up with the winning score. Five goals in a high-scoring game, including the, that remarkable sealer from left-half forward. This doesn't elevate him to immediately become the number one man in the forward line for the Western Bulldogs, not off the back of one game. But Dogs fans, having watched his development in the last two years, do you think it's do you think he's ready to shoulder some of this responsibility in the final month of the season and into finals? Was Saturday a sign of, of something imminent from Jamari Eaglehagen? You've got to run you're in the box seat now to finish in the top eight. You've got a, a little gap now on your closest uh, runners in St Kilda who are level on points, but the percentage differential is huge. And uh, and on uh, on the Tigers now, who are two points behind. The run home, though, is tough. Geelong this upcoming weekend. Fremantle the week after, which probably looks like a winnable game, or a 50-50 game anyway, given Fremantle's recent form. And then you finish with the Giants and Hawthorne. But this week is going to be huge against, uh, against the Cats, whereas St Kilda have Hawthorne, which is imminently more winnable. But is it on Jamara? Is it something... Or is it a sign of something to come from Jamari Eaglehagen that he is ready, not totally ready because he's still he's still pretty young and Norton will be the main man going forward in that forward line. But is he more capable now, having developed a little bit with more game time? Is he ready to shoulder a bit more of the load and be a um, be a be a difference maker in that forward fifty? Second one is have Richmond blown it. Chance after chance, moment after moment, and now three weeks in a row they've let the game go with errors at the death the last two weeks with players playing on after the siren. Have they have they, have they, they seen it away? They've got Brisbane and Port Adelaide up next. Tough games, tougher opponents than the teams they've lost to in the recent couple of weeks, or Drew with Fremantle, Gold Coast and North Melbourne they, they lost to. These are tough games coming up for the Tigers. And the last one, and I'll squeeze this in before our break, is the overlapping games on Saturday night. Now, I'm, I know I'm speaking from a privileged place. I'm younger. I wasn't around when the uh, when the VFL was uh, six games on a Saturday afternoon at the same time. But in this day and age of spreading games around, having two cracking games on a Saturday night overlapping, I didn't like it. I wanted to watch both games in full. How do we change it? 0433981116. Matt Rendell to recap things after this. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Jordan Canellis with you, filling in for Sam Hargraves this Monday night, recapping the round that was in round 19 of the AFL. You can send us a text, thanks to Temper, a mattress like no other, 0433981116. Just very quickly, a couple of text messages that have come through. Jamari Eaglehagen, one-hit wonder. Could have, I could have kicked five goals without pressure, says Anonymous off the text. Scathing. Um, uh, another one says, uh, Hi there, the uh, missus is a pie supporter. I was told to turn on uh, turn on the TV or turn the TV off, but I listened to BP via Bluetooth uh, on the earphones. He did, go, did do a great call, by the way. I uh, couldn't will the Bombers over the line as a blue bagger and then got into trouble with the said missus because I let the kids know how I really feel about the pies. Hmm, in trouble, says Dave from Hamilton. Um, on the uh, conundrum of the Saturday night games overlapping, simple. Move one Saturday night game to a Thursday every week. 
says Pete in Mooney Ponds. True, yes, but that would mean still get two overlapping Saturday afternoon games. Well, are we are we, are we more happy? Are we happier to li- uh, live with overlapping Saturday Arvo games than overlapping Saturday night games? Maybe because it's a marquee Saturday night, you want to have that one be the standalone, and then we can live with an overlapping afternoon. If you start the Saturday afternoon game at one forty-five, and then the second one at two ten, then they don't overlap as much. You have sort of a clear half, at least one one side or the other, to watch a half of football in either game. Uh, and then our poll on uh, should Jack Ginevan have been paid a high free kick? Yes or no, he shouldn't have been. The umpire was correct in his uh, in his decision. Uh, just a, a sample of the texts that have come through. Uh, yes, 100% yes, says Alex should have been high. Yes, 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 says uh, Greg in Caulfield South, the good racehorse as well. No, says Jeff. Um, and then the other one that came in was, uh, Jordan, you shouldn't be tackling at the shoulders. That's a high free kick. I think the point I was making there was he was tackling in line with, like, the bicep. Not not over the shoulder, but in line with the side of his arm, which would have been legal. If it was up above that, over the shoulder, then yes, illegal. Um, Matt Randell in just a second. Quickly, though, John from Mont Albert, who's called us to chat about Jack Inovan. Uh Evening to you, John. How's things? Hello, Jordan. Yourself? I'm very well, thank you. You have a thought on Jack Inovan? Good. Oh, look, um, irrespective of if it was high initially... The second movement, when he dragged him by the neck and slammed his head in the um, in the ground, that at least should have been a free kick, irrespective of where the first contact was. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, that, it was it was a pretty uh, it was almost reckless, wasn't it, from oh. Redmond? Oh, very much so. And yeah, and unfortunately, where Jack's fault or anyone else's fault, that happens more and more often um, now um, to Jack. Um, than anyone else, but yeah, so that, that was my point, yeah, um, it's very hard to do the first um, free kick, because it's yeah, moving a million mile an hour, mm. but the second one, when you see him, his hand is around his neck, and drags him on his back, and slams his head um, with his, um, his arm around the guy's neck, it's just not on. Yeah, no, good point, thank you John. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you for the call. one 736 736 to get involved on the Harcourts open line. Your move, your Harcourts. Our Monday night expert is Matt Rendell. He's with us here on the Macca's Run. Evening to you, Matt. How's things? G'day, Jordan. Uh, good evening, Matty. Yeah, uh, things are good. How did you... We'll uh, start with the Ginevan. Go it. Yeah, go right ahead. What were your <laughs> thoughts on it? That, uh, no, that gentleman was spot on before. Look, uh, uh, I can understand the umpire not paying a uh, head-high free kick. He wouldn't have been sure whether he sort of... He did lean into it, but it wasn't bad. Um, but the frustration of uh, Redmond, uh, he put him in a... He put him in as good a rear-naked chokehold as, <laughs> as you'll see. I think Conor McGregor would have been happy with it in the UFC. <laughs> 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 and, and the umpire's looking straight at it. I'm going, you can't be furious. Uh, he would have paid that to every other player in the competition except Genevan. So they've got a problem uh, in this aspect of why he didn't pay that. And this, we're talking about supposedly the best umpire in the comp. Mm. Um, to show, um, they've clearly had a discussion there. We're not paying him anything. I don't think he's a free kick for the rest of the year. Maybe his whole career. I reckon it's a dollar I won to get a free kick for anything for the rest of the year, Genevan. I reckon they've taken a set against him uh, for causing uh, so much consternation with the punters for the umpires. 
paying the free kick in the first place. So yeah. I think they make it. They make it in pay. It's all a bit of a reverse psychology there, Jordan. Yeah, someone sent a text before saying uh, it's it's going to be open season on, on Ginevan, which, yes. you know, that was our first little look at what open season on Ginevan looks Ooh, like. Is if, okay, it's if, not good. If, if, yeah, exactly. If players know, if opposition players know that they won't be paid or won't have Ooh. a free kick given against them, then they'll just sort of they'll ragdoll him around oh. like Redmond did. Um, next one, head taken off. Play on. Yeah. So, uh, really interesting watch uh, this one is, and um, they've made their own bed here, the umpies, with this. Um, you know, that if they if they supposedly uh, told at the start of the year about these lifting of the arms and dropping the knees, and they never paid them, and all of a sudden there's a rush of them, and they then they start. You know, this is the interpretation. Uh, we've got to start paying it. Well, why weren't you paying at the start of the year? And uh, just watching over the weekend, it looks like the umpires changed the interpretation of virtually every rule in the rule book because uh, I had no idea what they were going to pay next. Um, the classic one was Hawkins pushing the back on Cleary. Come on, give me a spell. Yeah. What's happened to that? So um, i got no idea what they're going to pay at the moment. And I think uh, most of the punters out there are thinking the same thing. So what will happen at the end of the year is they'll have a, a, a review into the umpire. They need one because it's been talked about too much all year. I listen to a lot of the talkback, and you know, Jordan, I mean, it's the umpires driving the people crazy. Mm. And they need to have a review into it. It's uh, It's gone downhill since Hayden Kennedy left uh, running the umpiring department. Then I've got no idea who's in charge now. Um, and uh, I've got no doubt they'll get Jeff Walsh in to do the <laughs> review. He's doing a review on everything at the moment. So. The king of reviews. <laughs> I reckon it's a Jeff Walsh review on the umpiring next up. <laughs> Is it so? Is it the umpires, or is it the, uh, the the set of rules that they're given? Oh, I think it's the instructions from above. Yeah. So they're only doing what they're told. You know, I said, well, you're not paying any more of these high frees, so they didn't pay it, and we, we, they didn't pay one. I don't think over the weekend, mm. head high, the bloke going in uh, who got met in the head, um, getting the ball, they got one, but the tackling ones, I can't remember seeing one. I watched a fair bit of it. Can't remember seeing one the whole weekend, which is okay. But the uh, one where he, the secondary motion should have been a free kick for sure and certain. Anyway, while we're on that game, um, be, pa- be careful what you wish for. Um, I'm going to start with Jordan here with the Grundy, you know, the talk about uh, Collingwood keen to, tr- keen to trade. I uh, love the way Cox and uh, Cameron are going. Well, Draper changed that game by himself, I thought, yesterday. Mm. Uh he uh, so be careful what you wish for with no Grundy in your team. So uh, Draper wouldn't have been able to do that to Grundy, but he it was particularly Cameron. He was on most of the time and and, he, and really changed the game. So it got me thinking about all Australians here too and the Ruckman. And I was I, I wouldn't have thought Gordon was a lay down was there here, um, Gordon, while we're at it. Uh, but I reckon Draper's a big chance, and Wits is the other one. But really, it's out of those three, Gorn, Wits, and Draper. And I'll be interested to see whether they take two, or just go with the one, and thinking that their form hasn't been good enough. But um, Draper's certainly in that conversation with Wits and Gorn. I would have thought for all Australian ruck. Yeah, your signal's just breaking up a little. We can still hear you, Matt, but just breaking up a little yeah. bit. But Draper, I'll just at, move a little bit. okay. Yeah, move around I'll a little just bit. Move again. 
the other thing that's uh, that Essendon were, were great at. So let's talk about the bomber. We've spoken a lot about the pies already. Yeah. Just on the bombers. So we'll get to them first, and then Collingwood. But the bombers, their their middle two quarters, they killed Collingwood in the clearances. They were their midfield has been has has stepped up. Dylan Shield, I thought, was their best midfielder yesterday. I know Zach Merritt had thirty eight touches, but it was at low efficiency. I thought Shield was was um, was decisive with with how he was playing his football. He was uh, incisive with how he was getting the ball up up the ground as well. Yeah, um, yeah. And a lot of their role players around the ground too played played their part, but uh, but it was out of the middle that they were doing so well. Uh, they were they were great, weren't they? Um, and and had plenty of options. Their, their biggest problem is at the moment, you know, relying on uh, Wright and Jones. Jones is going to be a, a you know a future star, obviously. Um, he's still a young kid playing in that sort of second key role. Really, he's more suited to the third. Yeah. But what they really miss is a, is a really gun small forward. They haven't got one. Since Tipper retired, they miss him badly. Um, so, um, oh, I think you might have just broken up there, Matt. I might t- oh, you've dropped off the line. I'll get uh, Lincoln to call you again. The other one was Will Snelling. Just in the meantime, as we get Matt Randell back up, but Will Snelling, I was surprised to see. So he's only played, I think, six games this season, but hasn't scored a goal yet. Snelling, he's gone goalless this season. He's he's the only other real uh, specialist small forward in that side at the moment. Um, Devin Smith is also out as well, but yeah, I agree with that. With Matt's point, there is uh, McDonald, Tip, and Woody being out of that team has, has left a big hole in the uh, in the Essendon forward line as we get Matt Randell back up on the line. Matt, we got you. Yep. Oh, yeah. Sorry, I don't know what happened there. Just cut straight out. So oh. um, I don't know what you, you got in the end of that. I was, I was saying they missed badly a small forward, and, and they need a look. They got a really good young key back in Zach Reed, but <clears throat> I think if they're going to uh, cause some havoc next year, and I think they can. They need to try and get a, a senior key back in. Mm-hmm. James Stewart did a really admirable job last year, but hasn't been about this year. I'm not sure why he's been injured most of the year. Uh, but they, they've shown that I think they had a really poor preseason and paid the price. But they've shown what they can do. They should really challenge the eight next year. Should make the eight. I would have thought uh, with any luck with injury. So that was a great game, and uh, love the way. And this is what they've been doing all year, Collingwood. But <clears throat> love the way that. Chris just took off like a madman from defence yeah. through the middle. Had really no idea what was going to happen. He just took off and ends up with a goal to Carmichael and gives him some hope. You've got to love that stuff. Huh? Footy's great to watch at the moment, especially when you see that sort of stuff. So that kind that of brilliance and those kind of traits is that I felt like experience was what really kept Collingwood in, in, in good shape in that last quarter. What what was crucial to them? getting over the top of the Bombers in that last term? Uh, yeah, well, look, Chris has played a lot of footy there now. He's had a, he's had a great year in Pendlebury and Sidewell. They went super yesterday. Uh, you know, they got beaten in the midfield for majority of the game. I mean, look, I, I tell you what, I, I, look, I know one said anything, but I was watching quarter time and there was, geez, there was a lot of joviality from the Collingwood people and laughing and carrying on and, you know, if I was a coach looking at that uh, on the opposition, I would be pointing that out uh, to the opposition. I don't know if Rutten did it with his troops at quarter time, but um, I thought, ah, a bit too happy with themselves here. Collingwood, you know, after that first quarter, six to nothing, really no pressure. Um, you know, goal of the year, contender. And, and uh, I thought, yeah, if I'm the opposition, it got my back up, it would have got my back up. And uh, I think it got Essendon's back up, and they got a bit of a surprise, Collingwood. So uh, don't take anything for granted. You got to you got to thumb up and knuckle down again, and uh, 
until the game is secured. But, um, yeah, it was a great game to watch and exciting all the way through. One last one on this one, and a, and a smaller point, but a, a crucial point, as it turned out, was so Collingwood's recruiting and how they've used the mid-season draft. Th- those two mid-season mm. draftees, uh, you know, were... were Changed the game for them in a way. Ash Johnson, who was last year's mid-season draft, yep. kicked three goals in the first quarter and then was involved in in link-up play and score <laughs> involvements in the last term to win that, win the game. And then Josh Carmichael was unreal. He kicked a, a long goal from outside 52 goals in the last <laughs> quarter. And his intensity, he well, came on like he'd been playing the whole match and, and matched the intensity of the game as soon as he was subbed in. Yeah, he's like a bloke from Hawthorne, isn't he? Very similar traits. Um, those hard nuts have a crack in the middle. Uh, there's always a place for him. Uh, you know, he goes forward, kicks two goals. Um, look, he's done a super job, Derek Hine, Johnny Noble, uh, Carmichael and Ash Johnson. I was really surprised Ash Johnson went so late. Oh, he might have been early last year, was he, I, I, in the mid-season draft. But um, he, I thought he might have got picked the year before in the draft. Um, a gentleman called Shane Radbone and his wife brought three players down from... Um, Horse Creek, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere of WA, where Petreski Seaton's from as well. And those three three players are Shane McAdam, Ash Johnson, who are brothers, mm-hmm. uh, same mother, different fathers, and and Jai Farrar, who's gone to the Gold Coast. So big credits to uh, I think the mother might have had a connection there with the Aboriginal community up in there. Was well, basically all Aboriginal. So. Um, Absolutely outstanding story. That's got no credit for the for the Redbone family. I hope they're getting some some love in Adelaide uh, for having done that. And um, you know, he put. I think Jai Farrar went to. They got him into college in South Australia too. So something I spoke about ten years ago and got a lot of trouble for. So um, uh, yeah, all credit there. Oh yeah, they look a play. He looks a play. He broke his finger. That's right. He got picked in mid-season draft last year and broke his finger. Basically, missed all the rest of the year. Ash Johnson. Mm. Um, so yeah they've got a couple of players haven't they so he's, they've done well with the fringe players at Collingwood Decker you know after being in all sorts of trouble um, you know with the fire sale that they had Ace Trelaw uh, Stevenson and Phillips and they've sort of recovered their position really well really quickly uh, a word on Geelong so they were involved the best team in the league right now top of the table involved in a, in a, in a tussle on Saturday uh, against Port yeah. Adelaide and had to overcome them late with uh, with late goals in the last five minutes to win. They were challenged. Port Adelaide have, have been a have been a thorn in most teams' Ooh. side uh, in the second half of the season. But Geelong, I guess uh, I guess that's what um, what a good team is made of is getting up in those wins away from home. Yeah, great game of footy too. It was a super game of footy, and they, you know Port had their chance. They stormed over the top. They really didn't need the three quarter time break to tell the truth. Um, so it gave Cats a chance to. Uh, gather themselves again. And look, I'm talking about a few players. The players I've spoken about so far and the players I'm going to talk about here, all very similar traits, Jordan. Uh, Dixon and Powell Pepper turned the tide in this game and Atkins turned it back the other way. So these are these are players and the ones I spoke about before, you know, even Grumby didn't play, Grundy didn't play, but Chris, you know, Draper, they play for keeps. Um... Well, that's what footy's about. They have a crack. Uh, they've come from nowhere. They've missed being picked up in drafts, and they've got their opportunity, and they just come to play week in, week out, 
and they play with a real will to win. Uh, I'm just wrapped for these these players and, and, and how well they're going. We've hardly spoken about the class acts of the AFL. It's all around these type of players, and these are the type of players who win your grand finals. Um, great game of footy. Uh, looked in control. Uh, Port coughed this one up. There's no doubt about that. They should have won this. They gave away far too many easy goals to the opposition. A mod in the first corner, and then right on half-time, Burton, who never misses a target, um, put it down, uh, I can't remember whose throat it was, and he just put it back over his head for a goal. Um, gave up, you can't give up too many easy goals against teams like Geelong, expect to win, and Portsmouth won, so they'll be really annoyed. And then a word on the race for the eight. So right now it's the dogs who sit in uh, yeah. in, in front spot. Uh, one week is a long time in football. They've gone up into eighth position. But really, it's it's not just one week. It's the accumulation of, of the last four, yeah. five, six games with those teams. Richmond only one win in their last four. The Dogs have won four of their last six. St Kilda have lost five of their last... Or um, have, won, have lost, what is it now, five of their last seven. Um, so the Dogs have the form and they have the position right now. Are they your favourites to, to make the eight? Well, look, I... I don't know if you got the drawing. Do they play each other at all? Bulldogs, Richmond, Saints in the last four weeks? I, no, they don't. I haven't got the. So that okay. So they, they, there's not an eight-point game in there anyway. So um, look, without seeing the draw, I mean, the the thing about the Bulldogs is they got a couple of crucial players back. English, massive, and and Bruce in the forward line gives uh, Norton a chop out as well. So. Um, Couple of crucial ins for them. They look. That was a. Oh, I didn't see the whole game because I was. Um, I actually it was out. But I watched the mini, and it was really open and free flying. Probably not a Melbourne type of game, but their biggest problem is Melbourne at the moment. Their forward line's not functioning at all. Um, you know, there's a heavy reliance on Fritch to kick a lot of their goals. I know Pickett kicked six the week before, but. And it's been Fritz most of the year. They can't get anything. Weedman, I know Weedman kicked a couple, but, um, you know, the Brown, Weedman, and no Tom McDonald has really hurt them. Matt, it's always a pleasure to speak to you on a, on a Monday night, recapping some of the big points in footy. Thank you for joining us, mate. We'll chat again next week. No worries, Jordan. Pleasure. See you Sunday. Matt Rendell with us on uh, Macca's Run. And uh, as he just pointed out, the MF Footy SA as well. You can check him out on a, on a Sunday uh, into South Australia. 0433981116 if you'd like to send through a text on the temper text. Temper, a mattress like no other. You can give us a call as well. one 736 736 for Harcourts. Your move, your Harcourts. Get thinking because on the other side of this, we'll get into our heroes and villains. So get, um, get thinking, get nominating who your hero of the weekend was. If you have a couple, send all of them through. If you've got a handful, you've got a 3-2-1 maybe and some villains as well. We'll do that uh, on the other side of uh, of 7 o'clock into the sporting capital. And we'll talk a bit of Formula 1 as well later on because we're at the half or just past the halfway mark of the season. So we'll recap what happened in France last night uh, into uh, earlier this morning. But uh, footy chat uh, coming up still with uh, your heroes and villains. Some of the uh, the big things that were said today on the station. We'll get to that as well uh, here on the Maccas Run. All thanks to Maccas. Try Classic Angers at Maccas today. Welcome to the Macca's Run with Sam Hargraves. With special sauce and juicy beef, grab the one and only Big Mac at Macca's today. Jordan Canellas with you here on the Macca's Run, filling in for Sam Hargraves uh, while he's uh, at home with new bub. 
Uh, try a classic Angus at Maccas today. Hargraves will be with you uh, in a couple of weeks again uh, on the Maccas run. 0433981116. And if you'd like to send through a text, thanks to Temper, a mattress like no other. 1300 736 736 to call us for Harcourts for all things real estate. Speak to Harcourts. Uh, Sporting Capital coming up in just a moment. Uh, plenty of text messages coming through. Chris says Bianco's 40 metre pass to Elliot was a ripper. Um, uh, Travis says Draper wasn't as good earlier in the year. Wits, Darcy and Gorn for the first ruck position in the All-Australian team. Blitzarves on the bench as a second ruck hashed, or uh, forward slash uh, anywhere position. He is the ultimate utility player. Swiss Army Knife player, Mark Blitzarves. And Chris says uh, Dugai will improve Collingwood's clearances when he comes back into the team. Your thoughts on the footy continuing after this. Who are your heroes and villains? That's up next on the Sporting Capital. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005.